Good morning, church. We'll be in Revelation chapter 6 this morning. And we're studying in Revelation about Jesus being the king, the crowned king, the coronation of the king. Chapter 1 is, hey, here's your king, and he's revealed. He's got eyes like fire. He's got a voice like thunder. Then we went into, hey, the king has... Wants to look over his churches. So we studied the seven churches. The king rules over his churches. And then last week we're like, hey, the king is worthy of worship. We got a view into what the throne room of heaven looks like. And the result was everything that exists in heaven that God created. Even those wild living creatures from Ezekiel 1 with all the eyes and everything that guard around the throne, they worship. To 24 elders around the throne cast their crown at Jesus' feet and what do they do? They worship. Then all creatures of our God and King. How many of you guys like that song? We've sang it before. What do they do? Where do we get that song lyric from? Revelation. We just read it. There is the revelation, the unveiling, the here is your king results in worship. And this morning we're going to see, is this king good? And as we get started, I want to ask you a question. Michael, this isn't working. Are you good? But, you know, wait, wait, wait. Think about it this way. Do I do good? I mean, we go to school and we get a check mark whether you attended or not. Yeah, you did good. You showed up or not. How many of you have had the exams in adulthood? Yeah, you have. Did you do a good job? I mean, even in our hobbies. I mean, I hung out with a bunch of guys yesterday afternoon. We wanted to win. Robbie, you raced cars yesterday with little kids. Did you think about being a good driver where you were out there? Yeah, you did. I know you. You work on Mopars. You have to be competitive. Everything we do, are we good? And then we think of it this way. Later in life, did I do a good job of loving my wife? Did I do a good job of loving my husband? Was I a good mom? Was I a good dad? Did I do a good job? We ask ourselves these questions, and it's natural to ask, is God really good? So the answer to the question, is God good? But is he good all the time? Do we really believe it? You might say yes, but wait till I get done with Revelation 6 or 7. Is God good? Is God good all the time? So let's jump into Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. Because the king is going to start breaking the seals on the scroll. And wait till you hear what happens next. Join me in Revelation chapter 6, verse 1. And ask yourself, is this king good? Now I watched when the lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come! And I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. And he opened the second seal, and I heard the second living creature say, Come! And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth, so that the people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. 
And when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and wine. Verse 7, When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name with death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with, with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O oh, sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. And when he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth, a full moon became blood, and the stars in the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up. Every mountain and island was removed from its place. Stop there. Is this king good? We open up the six seals and God says, John, I want you to come here and look. And one of these four living creatures says to John, come here with a voice like thunder. I don't think there was a debate in John's mind. So the camera in the story looks down on earth. And the first seal, look on the earth, and there's a horse, an angel on a white horse the, with a bow, and he comes out conquering and to conquer the earth. The second seal, red horse with a sword, who takes peace, removes peace from the earth. So people begin killing each other. Seal number three, Come, and John looks down, and there's a black horse that ruins the economy. The stock market crashes. Inflation skyrockets. You're going to pay 50 bucks for a loaf of bread. Then the fourth creature, pale horse named Death. I mean, you guys watch Tombstone? This is, you know what I'm talking about. Movies love to quote this horse. Clint Eastwood even did this. Pale Rider. Except this guy, this angel, when he comes down, he kills a quarter of the earth's population. If it were to happen today, that's 1.9 billion people killed. Is your king good? So this is the first of the four seals. You got the living creatures say, come over here and look. And so John looks down, and all of this happens on the earth. Then seal number five. The camera pulls back from earth, goes into the throne room, and looks underneath the altar, and who is there? Those who have been killed during this time. And what do they ask? Ruler God, our king, how long before you offend our blood? There are those at this time in heaven who have been martyred for what Jesus is doing on the earth. And what question are they asking? Are you still good? We died for your name on the earth. When are you going to make this right? 
When are you going to keep your promises? When are you going to be fully just for what we did for you? And what is Jesus' answer? Not until the mission's complete. Rest a little longer until the total number of you who must die for my name at this time make it here. What's Jesus saying? Get this clear. Jesus says, I still have a mission for them to do on earth. The value of that mission supersedes the value of their life. Get this in your head. Jesus is more concerned about his name and reputation during this time on earth with those people who know him than he is about their life. We don't like this kind of stuff on Sunday. Is God still good? When he considers, considers the value of telling people about himself more important than your paycheck, more important than your health, more important than your comfort. And do we cry out, Jesus, are you still good? Here we have written in the scripture, I love the honesty of the Bible. Here are people who have died. People have had their funeral. They've gone to heaven. And they're asked Jesus a quality question. Get this straight, too. God is not afraid of your prayers that ask the hard question. Basically, they're asking, are you still good? And they've made it there. They know what's going on. And what's Jesus' response? I'm not done yet. Hold on. Rest a little longer. So then the camera goes back down to earth. And the sixth seal is broken. At this time, everything on earth changes. There is such an earthquake that we no longer have the Appalachian Mountain Range, the Rocky Mountains, or the Himalayas. If you happen to be vacationing in Hawaii, you need a boat. World catastrophe. Not only is the earth rearranged, but the sky above it. The sun is completely changed. The moon is completely changed. If you're navigating in your sailboat in the Gulf Coast, you will not be able to navigate by the stars. The king, when he breaks the seal, can change all of this with the messenger of the angels who do it for him. I need to remind you that angels are not a cool little lapel pin that you put on your shoulder and think they're neat. Imagine the authority that Jesus, when he speaks, says, go and do this. And they say, aye, aye, captain. How many? 1.9 million today. Boom. Done. Is he still good? Through all of what you've heard this morning, is this king who's been crowned king, who's been worshipped in heaven, is he still good? Because this is a lot of carnage. Billions of people are dead. And those left alive exist in a completely new or rearranged world of utter chaos. And those left on earth, how do they respond to the question, is God good? Turn to verse 15 of chapter 6. 
How does the world at this time answer the question, is he good? In verse 15 of chapter 6, Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful, everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks and the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand? How do they answer the question, is God good? From the Oval Office to the projects. From the rich to the homeless. From the Fortune 500 CEO to the inmate working on the chain gang. People are doing what? Responding to invitations to come to a church potluck. Voting Republican. What are they doing physically? What is their reaction to just six scroll seals being broken? Hiding. I want none of that. They're not acknowledging the king at all. They're running away. The king who says, I can do this at my disposal, at my command. If I tell an angel to go do this, they will get it done. Very day. They run away. They don't want to see the king's face. Get this. The text says, they think his wrath has come. Now granted, if that was all that Revelation had in it, that would be a lot of carnage. That'd be a lot of wrath. But friends, we're just in the six seals. We got trumpets and bowls to go. This is the warm-up. This is the prologue in the movie just to gain your interest kind of thing. 1.9 billion people is literally a fraction of what's to come. And they think, we're hiding, we don't want anything because this is his full wrath. No, it's not. So how do they answer, is God good? No. They don't like God. Everything's, the economy's gone, their bank account's gone, their houses are gone. These, the world's been rearranged. The answer to the question, is God good? But who did Jesus leave there to share his good news? He still got people. But at this time, to answer the question, is God good? Can he open these scrolls? Let's move back to Revelation 5. Remember, in Revelation 5, there's a worthy lamb. There's a lion from the tribe of Judah, the promised king in the line of David, whose previous battle on earth left him victorious so that he could open this scroll. Do you get it? What Jesus did on his first time here was to battle on the cross to win the battle, to earn the right to hold the scroll. We like the part where Jesus died on the cross for my sins. We're good with that. I'll see you next weekend. But do we like the idea that he won the battle on the cross so he was worthy to hold this scroll? Break just the first six seals. How did heaven respond to Jesus being found worthy to open the scroll? Remember, it was amped up worship. It was a whole stack of speakers at a concert. 
There was worship by the 24 elders, four living creatures. All the angels joined in and all the creatures of our God and King. And they sang a new song, and it went something like this. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, language, and people, and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. They worshipped the worthy king because he had the authority to break the seals. Connect the dots. Is that worthy king in his wrath good? It's a hard question. We like to define it was good because he died for my sins and he's coming back. I get to go to heaven and everything will be good. That is part of what the king does. And when he says, John, I'm going to show you some things. Come up here. The things that must happen, this will happen. So to answer the question, is King Jesus good? Combine Revelation 5 with Revelation 6, 1 through 17. And the answer is, is he good? Now, Revelation 7, God has a special part in his heart, the Father for Israel. Let's zoom in. Because the camera, remember, its camera's gone down to earth and showed the six seals with one of those zooming back to underneath the altar. Now the camera is going to zoom in back to earth, and this time it's going to go specifically to Israel. Chapter 7, verse 1 through 8. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on the sea or earth or against my tree, any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God. And he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed. 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben. 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, and 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, and 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. The good king. Six of the seven seals have been broken. A quarter of the earth's population is dead. The world economy is blown up and people are killing each other while natural disasters are taking place. What about God's people? What about Israel? The camera in the story zooms in on Israel. This is the same people from Genesis 6, from Exodus 6, God's firstborn. God is telling his story just like he did in Exodus. In Exodus, God has his people who cannot help. They're just small minority enslaved. And what does God do to remove them? All of the miracles against the gods of Egypt. They're his special people. Now we move to Revelation. Now we have four angels holding back the wind. 
They're ready to unleash havoc upon the earth. And a fifth angel declares, hold on a minute. Wait until I take God's seal and mark Israel. Little trivia. The first mark in Revelation is for whom? Because you like to know this one, the mark of the beast is. We know that one. Who gets the first mark? Israel. God takes his stamp and goes, Kutunk. And he assigns an angel with this job. God sets his seal on people. This is the same precious people from Genesis to Malachi. These are literally his people who are living during this horrible time. What's a seal? Hey, you're mine, I've got you. But you're not immune to the circumstances. I've got you. There's going to be catastrophes. There's even going to be death. But this mark of ownership is for your eternal destiny, my relationship with you, my promises that I made to Abraham, Isaac, and through David are going to come true. I got you. Now, who in the world? You got the entire world against 144,000. You had the, all the Egyptian government against a group of slaves. Who in the world could save them? Only God. See, because in Exodus, after leaving Egypt, the death of the firstborn, they celebrate Passover. Listen to these verses. It shall be a mark on your hand and frontlets between your eyes. Why? For by, for by a strong hand, the Lord brought you out of Egypt. The marking thing on Israel's, we've heard this before. Why? Why does God do this? He says over and over again in Exodus, you shall know that I am the Lord. What's the word Lord mean? Suggested ruler. Uh, we kind of like the guy. Lord. King. Absolute sovereign authority. God tells the Exodus story. Don't, so we, not so we make cool looking movies. But the, the world will know that he is king. He is Lord. So God is going to work in Revelation with this small group of people. Why? You will know that I am God. And to win them. So I ask you, is Israel's king good? Is he good all the time? Remind you, Israel's got a rough history. They got some severe spankings. Pretty good-sized group of people that came out of Exodus, right? Enough that the Egyptians were worried about taking them over. How many do we have? What's your text say? 144,000. That's not very big. What's that, twice the size of Ocala? What? You're going to do all of this to billions of people for 144,000. We're not voting for that action. God, that's not fair, and that's not good. We don't like your plan. How many of you thought that? It's fair. I mean, I know I have. But he is what? He's the king. It's like we're all teenagers, and Jesus says, I'm the boss. We're all two-year-olds. Now, Revelation 7, in verse 10, our king, 
Revelation 7, starting in verse 9. The camera moves back to heaven. And John writes, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne, worshiping God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes from where they have come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. Who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst no more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Is our king, is it good? Have you ever asked, want to ask yourself, what are we going to do when we get to heaven? We're going to be racing cars, fixing dodges, horticulture, playing banjo. We ain't fixing Mopar. But you've been, have you been to a funeral where people talk about, well, at least he's farming in the sky? I like this. What's the answer? We will join the king in heaven. The church is there. We will be there. And this is part of what we'll do. We're going to join in with a choir that looks weird. The four living creatures will be part of our choir. The 24 elders will be part of our choir. And what will we be doing? Worshiping the king. And get this, we're not complaining about what the king's doing on the earth. Do you see how these are right there in the same text? They're right next to each other. The same time Jesus is doing this on the earth, what are we doing? Whoa, 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 that's my aunt. No, that's the Himalayas. You can't flatten that. We got postcards from that. No, that's where I love to vacation. The entire, well, 1.9 billion already? What are we doing? We're worshiping him even as the king rules. We'll be before the God's throne serving him day and night. And I love this. Jesus will be our shepherd. It's as if Psalm 23 comes to life and he does it with us with tender care and mercy. And love and all of what we think of when we think of Psalm 23 the king who simultaneously says, hey, angel, go do that, and he does it. And the earth is changed. Is the same one that comes up and is tenderly net right there with you. Right there with us. We will have unfettered access to this king while he rules supremely over the earth. Is it good? All of that put together, is it good? 
And is he good all the time? Because is he good even in our homes today when we got to go home? Is he good at the workplace tomorrow? Is he good all the time? Because how we react to that question, what our life looks like, will define it for us, not necessarily head nods and lip service this morning. So this morning, are you ready to say at all times our king is good? Or I can come up with just five quick questions to see how this reacts in your life. Just think about you. Are you okay with Jesus opening up this scroll? I have a hard time with this. Yeah, he's worthy. He's a boss. He gets to do it. But he opens these scroll, and there's a lot of carnage. There's a lot that goes on on the earth. If it wasn't for the big story of what he was trying to get done, and we will get there, it's like asking the boss, why are you doing this when it makes no sense to us, but in the long run, long run it is his plan. But are you ready to say, I worship the king this morning in my life, in my song, with these people, and he's worthy to open that scroll? He is, I'm okay with the idea that he's worthy, and when he opens the scroll, this is what happens to the earth. Do you worship that Jesus too? Is what I'm asking you. Are you okay with being an ambassador for Jesus this afternoon, even if he values your message more than he does your comfort or your life. Go tell people about me. Make relationships so you can tell them about me. And that mission is more important than your bank account, your marriage, or your grandkids. Whoa, that was a little too applicable. Because Jesus values the mission we're on more than he does our comfort and even our life. Can you worship the king that thinks that way? Are you okay with the worshiping the king even if you don't understand the why of what he's doing? This is so hard. How many of us, when we really life is tough, what's the first question? Why? Is it wrong to ask why? Look at the text we went through today. There's people in heaven that ask Jesus what? Why? What you doing? When you going to make this right? Hold on a second. We're not done yet. I challenge you to look through your scriptures and to see an honest interaction between someone and God where they take the problem to God and see how God interacts with them. I can think of David numerous times through the Psalms. I can think of Moses who's fed up with the people of Israel, and he goes to God. God doesn't strike them down. Are you okay worshiping the king? I mean, you don't know the why, but I'm also saying take your wise to God. He may or may not answer. He answered them here. I got a plan. You don't. It's going to really look bad. But even if we don't know the whys this week, God, why did my car break down? Why is my job horrible? Why do my parents not get along with me? Whatever it is, are you okay still worshiping the king when he's working out these situations with the why? Finally, 
Are you allowing the king? Are you okay with allowing this king to rule over what happens in your life? And if the answer is yes, then I want to say, what did he rule over last week? When he said, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to talk to them. I want you to actually forgive somebody and seek reconciliation. Those are the things I'm talking about here. I want you to sell everything and move. I want you to not move. I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I know some story. I, it's tough. But that's what I'm talking about this morning. We can talk about the future and say, yeah, he's going to really wipe the earth up. But are we okay worshiping this king? And finally, are you okay with explaining to a co-worker that Jesus is good and all of his attributes? To a neighbor, to a relative. Because our king is good all the time. At all times, our king is good. Let's pray.